Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. Uh, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home. I want to believe. I thought about whistling the tune from the X-Files and I thought, what if it somehow gets me in trouble for copyright or something, some sort of infringement? It's funny, isn't it? Because UFO belief was this kitschy, new age thing for so many decades following the Roswell incident in 1947 and then things like the X-Files in the 90s, Star Trek before that, and the I want to believe slogan started to adorn many a sci-fan's t-shirts and memorabilia. And this is a podcast about belief. It's it's also one that values curiosity over judgment. So as unlikely or ridiculous as belief in little green men might be, it's always worth taking a look. I went alien hunting in Argentina, and okay, it was a little tongue-in-cheek because I, I didn't expect to find anything really, but I went into the mountains in the early hours of the morning in a place called Capilla, or Capicha with an Argentine accent, Capicha del Monte, uh, with some true believers in pursuit of beings from the fifth dimension who live underground, and they're called Urks. And I'm about as positive as I am that the world is spherical, that these beings don't exist. Uh, the lights that were supposed to alert us to their existence, according to my guides, were quite clearly car headlights and street lamps. But the culture around alien belief has started to change in recent years. Firstly, we started to get to grips with just how large the universe is and the concept of other life forms out there has become actually more likely than the chance that there's nothing out there. That's now the minority belief that there's nothing out there. It seems utterly improbable, given that life formed here, that it isn't anywhere else. And now many scientists expect to find microorganisms on other planets and moons in our own solar system. As for complex life, like cows and things like that, it might be a little rarer. And then intelligent life, so examples of the universe becoming aware of itself, becoming self-conscious in the form of beings like ourselves, well that might be stunningly rare. It took billions of years for us to evolve to our current state and that's a good chunk of the history of our universe so it is possible that others like us would be exceedingly rare. Still, 
it would be foolish to discount the idea of other life out there. The problem is the vastness of space. Even if we could go at the speed of light, which we can't even fathom getting near, it'd take us four and a half years just to reach the nearest star. The vast majority of stars are dozens or hundreds or thousands of light years away or years away at that speed of light. So even if the universe is teeming with life, that's part of why we won't have heard from it. But what if somebody had a head start on us by, say, a billion years, and in that extra billion years put out AI or droids into space to explore the universe, or species that have outgrown their biological bodies and can survive millions of years on ships? Or what about beings that have worked out how to manipulate space-time and create wormhole-like shortcuts in the fabric of space, like in the movie Interstellar. Perhaps these creatures come over and monitor us like a wildlife or reality TV show and zoom it, zap it onto their equivalent of TVs back home. These are all interesting theories that no longer exist exclusively in the realm of kitsch or sci-fi fandom, and that's partly because the United States Office of Naval Intelligence started releasing clips of what they call UAPs, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. This has only been happening the last couple of years that they've opened up the books. Uh, partly a branded move, the UAP bit, uh, to get away from the UFO tag, so it actually seems a bit more sciencey and a bit more real. Uh, even if it means the same thing as UFO, really. Unidentified aerial phenomena. You know, what's what's the other one? Unidentified flying objects. It's the same thing. So the United States Navy and the Pentagon have released footage of things in the sky that are apparently unexplainable. So I went about getting someone who can try to explain as best he can. Nick Pope ran the UK government's UFO project. The media call him the real Fox Mulder, and funnily enough, his wife is a scientist, a sceptic, and a redhead, much like Scully. These are references to the X-Files, if you're not in the know, by the way. He worked in the government's Ministry of Defence, where he was responsible for determining if UFO phenomena and videos had any significance. Get his book, Open Skies, Closed Minds, for an autobiographical look at his work on UFOlogy, Uf UFOlogy, however you might want to say it. Follow him on Twitter on at NickPopeMOD, that's MOD for Ministry, Ministry of Defence, and find out more about him on NickPope.net. As is the case with most my Saturday episodes, this originally aired on Atwood at Least on YouTube as part of a four-hour show that Sean Atwood and I co-host. And you'll find the full episode on the Sean Atwood True Crime Podcast. But now you're on the edge of life from other planets with Nick Pope. Nick, how you doing, mate? Hi, yes. Uh, good, good to be talking on uh, what's turning out to be a, a pretty sensational week for the UFO subject. Great timing. Uh, so oh, yeah. lots, lots to talk about. Well, I'm pleased to hear you say that. I mean, for the first thing is you, you, you do share a name with a football goalkeeper, don't you? I do. And that occasional hilarity as we've got Twitter messages <laughs> from each other, like, you know, so someone telling him, you know, he should reopen one of the real life X-Files and somebody telling me you should have gone to the right on that penalty. It was obvious. <laughs> you should have. Nick Pope, bloody hell. He's a good goalie, though, and, and you're a, a good uh, researcher. Well, yeah, he's he's sensational. He's uh, well. I was going to say knocking on the England door. He's he's already been in, and uh, you, you know he's doing his absolute best to keep 
keep Burnley up. So yeah, yeah. He is. He is. No, he's a good lad. Um, but yes, do tell me what I'm going to ask you about about what happened. The, you know, recent times and recent week. But give me give me uh, an overview of your sort of work. Uh, I, 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 you know, in the government and UFOs and all that stuff. Sure. Well, I was a civilian employee of the Ministry of Defence for 21 years, and you get posted around here, there, and everywhere. And for much of the early 90s, I was put into a division where my duties were to research and investigate the UFO phenomenon, essentially to assess the defense implications. I mean, it wasn't because there was a corporate belief in extraterrestrials, though we didn't rule that theory out. It was more just that if there's something in our airspace, self-evidently, defense chiefs and the government more generally want to know what it is. Right. Yeah. So, so, and, and does, does that need to believe sometimes make us think that, you know, there are aliens and stuff and that desire to believe or, 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 you know, could there be something out there? Well, there could, but I, I think you're right with that. I want to believe. And of course that was famously on Fox Mulder's poster yeah. in the X-Files. And I think it, it taps into something because people, people do want to believe. I mean, we, we talk about the, the ongoing debate over the true nature of the phenomenon. And obviously some people are talking about misidentifications and hoaxes and, and effects when you use cameras and things. Then other people say it's, it's secret black project technology, maybe our own, maybe an adversary like Russia or China. And then of course people say, well, maybe it's extraterrestrial. And of all those theories, it's the extraterrestrial hypothesis that has obviously captured the public imagination mm. has done for decades but more than ever right now wouldn't it be amazing it would be like the biggest story of all time i mean a, a, it would almost be like a religious figure waking up from the dead after 2000 years or something like that to to have some you know sufficient proof why is that you know absolute proof escaping us or or do you believe that it is there well, I'm not sure whether it's, it's there or not. I tend not to believe in some of the more bizarre cover-up theories, conspiracy theories doing, doing the rounds. I, I tend to think that both in the UK and the US, the problem, and I, I think it is a problem, is that the government doesn't know enough about this, isn't working hard enough to get to the bottom of it, as opposed mm. to, oh, we've got a crashed spaceship hidden in, a, in an Air Force hangar somewhere at some some restricted military base. So so I, I think that's one issue. The other problem is just the, the distances of interstellar space are so vast. I mean, we've sent a few pro, probes to the outer limits of our solar system. If they, if we can only go that fast, it, it would take another 75,000 years for them to get to the nearest star system. So the challenges are immense, but possibly we, we're all watching the story about the James Webb Space Telescope. If there's something out there, it's not its primary mission, but um, it might just find something. What is its primary mission? Because I just thought, yeah, I hope we see some aliens and stuff. <laughs> well, I, I think it's got, unlike Hubble, it's looking in infrared, but the, the point is because when you look out into space, you're looking back in time. I mean, when, when you look at the moon, because of the speed of light, you're seeing the moon 
as it was one and a half seconds ago. The sun, you're seeing it nine minutes ago. The nearest star, 4.3 years ago. So when you're looking at distant galaxies, you are literally looking, it's like a time machine. You're looking into millions and millions of years into the past. And so um, James Webb will be able to look almost back to the birth of the first stars to answer some fundamental questions about the nature of the universe. Wow. That's pretty outrageous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. But then, okay, yeah, I don't know if... I think what people want to know, actually, is are there aliens sort of here now? And that's obviously, we go back to the UFOs. What is the latest news coming out? What can you tell us? Well, literally, yesterday... The United States Congress, and specifically a, a subcommittee of the House Intelligence Committee, held a public hearing, which ran for a couple of hours, followed by a closed classified briefing, where they basically ran through a lot of this. And a lot of the congressional representatives were saying, right, what's going on? We've seen, as many people have seen in the last three or four years, these stories about this mysterious Pentagon program called ATIP, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, that amongst other things looked at UFOs. People have seen some of the videos taken from US Navy jets mm -hmm. of pilots chasing these things. And there's no doubt that these are the real deal. I mean, the DOD put them on their own website and issued a press release and said, these are real and we don't know what they are. So yesterday in Congress, it was, it, they went through all the theories. Is it drones? Is it something else? And, you know, they were talking and they were saying, we have taken nothing off the table. I mean, the, the exact quote was, we are open to all hypotheses. And then they started talking about getting together with Space Force, getting together with NASA, and the real desire to find out what's out there. Oh, my God. Do you have your own thoughts on what these things are? I've seen bits of them. You've got these sort of disky light kind of things. I suppose the things that you'd expect from the stereotypical alien stuff, movies and everything like that. And as you say, th these are real video clips and even top scientists can't explain what they are. Do you have your own theories? Well, no, I, I'm completely stumped on it too. And, and I guess the entire military and intelligence community in the US seems to be stumped as well, mm. which is surprising in a way because the resources and capabilities that the US intelligence community w must have brought to bear on this. We know that, I mean, I mentioned the Congress, congressional hearing yesterday. We know there have been classified briefings before. We know from Freedom of Information Act requests that there are top secret documents about this. All, all this. So it's, it's staggering in a way that they haven't managed to get to the bottom of it. One thing that did happen last summer, they published a preliminary assessment of the phenomenon from the office of the Director of National Intelligence. And they said, most of these seem to be solid physical objects, and some of them are displaying a technology because they're using things like they're putting out radio frequency energy. Uh, they are under oh. intelligent control. That's extraordinary, isn't it? These kind of top secret things. I mean, you were at the Ministry of Defense. Didn't you get to look at the secret stuff? Or is it, it like in the movies, or is it only the US that for some reason always seems to have all the secret documents? Well, I, I did have a, a top secret sensitive, sensitive compartmentalized information 
security clearance. But, you know, if the Americans did get something on this, did find out some fundamental truth too terrible to be told about the true nature of the phenomenon, then they didn't even share it with, with us, their closest allies. So, so I, don't, I don't necessarily have a, a definitive answer on this, but I think we're getting close. We're closer than we've ever been. And, and what, what yesterday's hearing in Congress achieved, I think, amongst other things, was destigmatizing this because for years this was just mm. regarded as silly season stuff. People rolled their eyes, made jokes about little green men and flying saucers. And that discouraged uh, military pilots, radar operators from coming forward. And we, we know that they have sightings. So this, this will get more of those people to come forward and speak out, which is good. I think like the one thing that makes me really like quite skeptical a lot of the time is that it always seems to be America or, or a country that has a vested interest in in protecting it from the people or whatever it might be. Why isn't it ever why isn't it ever that you know I don't know I'm trying to oh I was going to name like a small country but I don't want to offend people from the small country but just think of a small country somewhere in Central America or something. Why isn't it ever them with a government who goes ah we don't care we want to be famous as the people who who first leaked the information about UFOs? Why why is it always America. Well, some some other governments are quite open about this. Actually, mm. um, you mentioned South America. Um, not that it's a little country; it's a pretty mm. big one. But Chile has has uh, published a lot of information about UFOs, and Brazil has some fascinating cases too. Uh, this is interesting point because a lot of people say. Um, you need a body like the United Nations, perhaps, to try and pull all this together. I think the answer to your question, though, why, why America, is that we just do have a very English-language-speaking centric media and arguably quite a US-centric media, too. But just this morning, I did formally call on the UK Defense Committee to, to um, hold a similar public hearing on this, or at least to take some action to hold the Ministry of Defence accountable. The Ministry of Defence did have a, there was a small debate in the House of Lords about this last June, and essentially the Minister of State at the MOD uh, turned up and told Parliament, uh, we don't think there's a threat and we're not going to re-engage on this subject. Well, hold on a minute. The United States government, the world's preeminent superpower, has just said there is a flight safety threat and there may be a national security challenge. Um, shouldn't we at least be back in the game and taking a look mm -hmm. at this? So I have, I have called for some action on this today. And one theory I think about these UFOs, or are they be called, is it UAEs now, Unidentified Aerial uh, UAP, 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 Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Mm, one of the theories is that it could be, you know, a, a, a rogue state, an enemy. Uh, it could be Russia sending stuff over. Is that not more likely than uh, an alien being has sent something? Well, through intelligence means, we generally have a pretty clear picture of, of what technologies, what aerospace technologies an adversary has. Now, of course, you can always get something wrong. I mean, in, intelligence is never infallible. Um, there, there are conflicting indications about this. And, mm -hmm. and of course, it's difficult because of, of the classification issue. But certainly a lot of people in the U.S. Congress have sounded a little skeptical about this being 
Russia or China, probably because they are being briefed on, on what aerospace capabilities they have. But again, no, you're right. It's not off the table. It is one of the competing theories. And what, hmm. what I think people are really looking for now is almost a, a league table of the main theories um, ranked in order of probability so that we can know what's, what's more or what's less likely. But, you know, it doesn't matter in one sense if it's extraterrestrial or if it's Russia or China. If it's in our airspace, we should be concerned about it, and particularly because the, the technology appears to be, in terms of speeds, maneuvers, and accelerations, ahead of our own. And that's disconcerting whoever is behind the wheel. That is, this is fascinating, really. Um, how often are we seeing these kinds of things, though? Very frequently. Um, wow. The, the preliminary assessment that, that the US government published last year only looked at military reports that had been formally submitted through the chain of command um, from about 2004 through to about 2018, 19. Uh, although the reports were still coming in, they had 144 cases of which precisely one they were able to find an explanation for. But since that, there have been hundreds more. And this is only from the US military. Most of the people that see these things are members of the public. And of course, it's all around the world. So the, the true figures, your guess is as good as mine, but it's, it's huge. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn dot com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take 
to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. You've got to, I, I understand, stay very sceptical and scientific-minded. So I can imagine you're hesitant to to go full in with this. But in your, if you took, if we turn the brain off for a second and go with the heart of hearts, well, I don't turn the brain off entirely. What, what is the what is the most exciting thing that this might be? Well, the most exciting thing absolutely would be the idea that this was extraterrestrial. Of of all. The theories. I mean, Chinese drones. That would be disconcerting that they can mm. do that. But <laughs> yeah. but extraterrestrial probes. I mean, that would be the most game changing, paradigm busting. You said it earlier yourself. The greatest his- yeah. story in in history. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Oh, waking up to that. That's the thing. Because I've done. I went um, in Argentina. I did a little video for um, HBO some time ago when I went to a village called Capilla del Monte or Capilla del Monte with the Argentina accent, and uh, they all believe in aliens in this little village because some sort of fire happened in the woods of you know thirty, forty years ago, and that was clearly what happened. But they think it must have been aliens. So now it's become a tourist town full of just like new age alieny stuff everywhere you go and i guess that kind of stuff probably i mean that must wind you up a bit because it's it's a little bit damaging to the real look into extraterrestrial life it it can be but i don't think you can be too precious about it i mean i've been to some really great fun festivals where people have dressed up as space aliens and they've even dressed their little dogs up and with little antennae yeah. on and things That's right. and you know you you could say oh come on that that disparages the the serious scientific search for extraterrestrial life but come on if we if we can't have a bit of fun with this too what's the point <laughs> we might as well have some fun before they come and kill us all so yeah i guess it's so we'd like to think it might be aliens who don't have malicious intent for, you know, potentially they are, they must be from at least four light years away, and that's unlikely anyway. So, thousands of light years away, very possible if, if they've sent these drones off, either they're somehow controlling them with some kind of stuff that we don't even understand, or this alien civilization could be long dead by millions of years, right? That, that could be true, but there are a number of different theories. They, they could have found a workaround to what at the moment appears to be the fundamental barrier of light speed, but but people talk about wormholes and warp yep. drive, so so who knows? Or if it's if we're dealing with not biological life, but post-biological, so AI, um, the idea of something like that, adrift in the universe for millions of, of years, infinitely patient, it, it wouldn't be a problem. I mean, the universe is nearly 14 billion years old, and there might be civilizations out there with a billion-year head start on us. So yeah. what would their technology look like? To, to borrow the phrase from Arthur C. Clarke, it would be indistinguishable from magic. Hmm. I think, yeah, well, even showing someone a, a phone about 20 years ago would have blown their <laughs> minds, wouldn't it? So... 
yeah, I get that. And it, why do I have a feeling that it's us? I guess because of Interstellar, it's us sending these things from the future. Well, that's that's interesting because in parallel with the extraterrestrial hypothesis, some people do believe, well, what if this was time travelers from the future? Or what if this was some sort of interdimensional um, intrusion? And a few years ago, like, like your point about the cell phones and the smartphones, a few years ago, all this would have been dismissed as, as science fiction. But now at the Large Hadron Collider, for example, you have people like physicist Michio Kaku looking for evidence of, of so-called hidden dimensions that are actually necessary if string theory is to work. Mm. So yesterday's science fiction is today's science fact. Wow. It's such an appealing idea. And of course, you, you know, you, you talked of X-Files and, and that I want to believe. And I mean, that's what religion is. And it's this fundamental hole that so many of us have inside us of, of is there something else? There has to be something else, even if it isn't an afterlife, just something more, something exciting. And, and I used to think when I heard about this, I thought, like, like why, why would they just hover around in the sky and not show themselves and reveal themselves and that kind of thing? But now I'm thinking if we were to sort of go looking around the universe, almost like looking at a zoo, we wouldn't want to disturb the natural habitat or anything. I think it's exactly what we'd do. We'd sort of probe about, right? Yeah, it's like watching the, the best wildlife documentaries, the ones where <laughs> the cameras are so well hidden that the animals don't know that they're there. And then you... That's the only circumstance that you can look at the real behavior. And, and it's just in that analogy, uh, they're coming mm. here as, as either you know, biologists or, or anthropologists, and they're looking at this little emerging civilization that's just got going here. And to, to truly ancient civilizations in this 14 billion year old universe, we're not gonna have anything to teach them about science or technology, but they might be interested in the more abstract things. Um, yeah. uh, the structure of our society, art, music, literature. Yeah, we must seem sort of like cavemen to them. There was a South Park episode where this, this all happened, where we became a reality, and Rick and Morty did it as well. We were a reality TV show or a zoo sort of David Attenborough show to uh, other civilizations. Um, I've got um, I've got questions from viewers here, some stuff that's beyond my pay grade. Uh, I've got Ray J ask Nick about his time looking at remote viewing. So you'll have to explain to me what remote viewing is as well. Okay, well, I, I didn't spend too much time on that, but when you, when you have a UFO program, by default, you end up with anything else weird and wonderful. And there was a feeling, certainly in the US government, and we dabbled in it mm. too, that what if psychic powers were real? Could we leverage that uh, in the intelligence community and use it to find all the sorts of things that intelligence officers want to know? Where are the Russian ballistic missile submarines at present? Um, where's the drug shipment coming in so that we can intercept it, et cetera, et cetera. So the US government had a number of programs. In about 2001, the Ministry of Defense did do a small study into that, classified secret UKIs only. There is a heavily redacted, partially declassified uh, copy of that final report on the Ministry of Defense or on the National Archives website somewhere. But to cut a long story short, 
the, the study wasn't very effectively conducted. And I don't, the, the results were inconclusive. I don't know whether any of this evolved into a formal remote viewing, or as we call it in, in sort of shorthand, psychic spying program or not. Hmm. I think it probably just stayed as a study, but who knows? Bloody hell. Okay, and I've got another one. Please, this is from Easy E. The last question was from Ray J, by the way. Easy E asks, uh, can you ask Nick his views on Dr. Stephen Greer and his channeling aliens and his views on him as a person? Well, Stephen Greer is an interesting, colourful character for sure. In 2001, he put together a very interesting uh, event at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., and he drew together a lot of um, retired military officers and pilots and intelligence community personnel who talked either about personal sightings or classified programs that they had been involved with looking at this subject. Since then, he, I have to say, his, his views and mine are not the same. He, he has sort of gone down what I consider a bit of a sort of spiritual new age rabbit hole uh, whereas I try to stay a little bit more nuts and bolts, you know, pilots, radar operators, that that sort of thing. But uh, he he is he is a colourful character, but we don't often agree these days. Do you get a lot of criticism? I know you were talking about the uh, stigma, I suppose, of the whole UFO stuff. Do you get criticism, or even from friends and family? Are they saying, "Oh, come on, mate"? Are they have, do they have a go at you about it? No, I tend not to get that because because I did it for the government. It's more sort of, you know, leaning in and whispering and saying, wow, so come on, tell me, Nick, is it true? <laughs> Are there aliens? Where I do get criticism is, is firstly from the new age community who take a so – some of them take a very spiritual view of the UFO phenomenon. I am a little bit more, well, we should come at it as a potential defense and national security threat and i've been accused of ramping up the threat narrative in the media um, and allied to that some people criticize me and and believe i'm still secretly working for the government i'm not but how you know you can't prove a negative so what can i say there's always conspiracies you should see the ones they've got about me in these comments sometimes you know <laughs> if there's enough people commenting and enough monkeys with infinite type right i'm not calling you all monkeys by the way viewers or <laughs> well, i suppose we all are in some sense um but yeah so what i was, I was just going to say actually you had like uh obama wasn't it was it obama who was asked uh about it and he even he was sort of like well you know there's nothing hidden or whatever but he he could be lying couldn't he or he might not know well, almost every president, but usually after their president, um, yeah. talks about this. They get, go on the chat shows and they get asked. President Obama did say, yes, we have these things in our airspace. Our pilots see them. Our radar operators track them. And we don't know what they are. President Trump said almost exactly the same thing and dropped some hints that he, he knew a few things about Roswell and Area 51 and and such like so they're all at it hmm. do you have any views on area 51 that's obviously the most famous ever alien legend or real thing well it's it is a hundred percent a real thing of course i mean it, it is a real physical testing area in in the remote desert in nevada where, mm. where over the decades they've test flown the, the U-2, the SR-71 Blackbird, uh, the, the stealth, various stealth aircraft, and I'm sure they are testing things there right now that 
we all won't see for 20 years. Now, in the UFO and the conspiracy theory community, they say that's where they took the UFO that crashed at Roswell in 1947. Right. That's a whole other story. And they, they have been trying to back-engineer these things ever since. I, I simply I have no knowledge about that. I, I have never visited that. Well, I went up to the perimeter fence for a TV show once, but even I couldn't get in. Ah. Did you feel anything eerie? No, not, not really, but um, I, I'm not sure I would expect to. doesn't mean there isn't anything eerie there, but, yeah. but I, I can't say as I did. Yeah. So what is um, your opinion? It's another question from Tim Bliss here. Your opinion on disinformation networks like Gaia TV, which, again, I don't know what that is. Well, you know, sometimes there is this view that any, any viewpoint with which you don't agree on this subject is somehow disinformation being put out mm. by the government through some sort of front organization, whether it's an individual or whether it's a media company. I, I don't happen to think that that's, that's disinformation, but, but you know, I, I understand that, that some people will make those accusations. Hmm. What kind of things are they saying? Well, I, I mean, I've been on a few of their shows myself. I, I, I have to say, I thought they put out a broad range of, of shows about all this, so I'm not quite sure what the specific questions relating to but I, I really don't think i mean i know a little bit about the way in which intelligence and counterintelligence works and you know setting up an entire tv station to put up hundreds of hours of of content just to push a particular view is generally not the way it works i mean it's more hmm. it's more about subtle influence um confidential briefings to to various defense and intelligence correspondence to get get a story spun in a particular way in the mainstream media but yeah. that's that's just my take on it yeah so much is spin and stuff it was interesting what you were saying about you've got to sort of almost pep up that uh defense side of it to get anyone to kick because why would the ministry of defense care unless they do see it as a defense kind of thing so i find that really interesting and all the different views on it. I got another question from Nosferatu the Vampire. Has Nick had contact or spoken to Bob Lazar and what does he think of the validity of his story? So again, I'll need you just for those who don't know to explain who Bob Lazar is. Bob Lazar was the Area 51 whistleblower. In 1989, he came on a, a Las Vegas-based TV show. He told an investigative journalist called George Knapp that he worked at Area 51 and that there were indeed back-engineered extraterrestrial spacecraft there and and we're all trying to figure out how these things fly uh, bob lazar does seem to be the real deal in that for a time as a contractor he did indeed work at area 51 as for the rest of of the story you know there's an old saying in intelligence analysis interesting if true and that's that's about all i can can say. I, I just want to very briefly circle back on your last point about um, mm. threats and, and things. You're absolutely yeah. right. It's the only way you'll get people in Congress or people in Parliament to pay attention. That doesn't mean we, we lie about any of this. We, we just put the spotlight on the potential threat. But you are never going to get a meeting with the Secretary of State for Defense if you say, can we come and talk about UFOs? 
That's yeah. why we changed the language to UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And we say, can we get a meeting about the near misses going on between UAP and um, commercial airliners and, and military jets? And can we talk to you about some of the, the scientific and technical intelligence that we've amassed on that? And that gets you through the door. Yeah. If you want to... Uh, you know, focus on uh, virtual reality, you got to tell people about pornography. It's that kind of thing. If you want <laughs> to make progress and that kind of thing. And that's the same with, with this. If you want to find out about UFOs, look at the defense side. I think that's a really interesting point, actually. Um, what's, the, what's the near future? What's going on for this subject? Uh, well, it's more of the same. It's yeah. um, some of the people, some of the congressional representatives came out of yesterday's briefing a little bit angry, I, I sensed from some of the interviews. And they said, we, we don't think we're getting the full story here. We don't think we're getting, still not getting full engagement on this from the Department of Defense and the intelligence community. So I think there are going to be more hearings and more reports, some public, but a lot of this is going to go on behind the scenes. And, and still be classified. And I hope, as I say, I hope that in the UK, the Defence Committee will engage on this now mm. and hold the Ministry of Defence to account and say, I'm not interested in platitudes about no defence significance. If the US is doing this, we should be doing it too. Yeah, I, we're, we're going to have to get you on another time because there are so many questions and everyone's going, please ask about the <laughs> Rendlesham Forest. And we don't have time because we've got our next guest coming on. But just quickly tell us where the people can find you on Twitter and or, or wherever about and all that stuff. My Twitter handle is at Nick Pope M-O-D and my website is nickpope.net. Fantastic. Thank you, Nick. It's been fascinating. I've learned a lot and have a lovely day, evening. You too. Yes, thanks. <laughs> thanks very much. Thank you, Nick Pope. You've been on the edge. It was an absolute pleasure to have you there. That interview originally went out on the Sean Atwood YouTube channel as part of the Atwood Unleashed show I co-host. Find the full four hours on Sean Atwood True Crime Podcast. This is a show all about belief and the perils in allowing our beliefs to stray too far from science and fact. So I was determined to get someone on with real insider knowledge and a proper CV to talk about aliens and UFOs. And Nick Pope was perfect for that, having worked on precisely this topic for the Ministry of Defence. Get his book, Open Skies, Closed Minds, for an autobiographical look at his work on ufology. Follow him on Twitter on Nick Pope Mod, M-O-D. That's, that's Nick Pope M-O-D is his Twitter handle. And find out more about him on nickpope.net. Find me on andrewgold underscore OK. And leave a review on CastBox or Apple. I got one from Nathaniel Smith about the story I told on Carlin Borisenko's episode about libertarianism and how bears invaded a town in New Hampshire where they went off the grid and didn't have uh, taxes and things to pay for bear patrol. Nathaniel writes, does a bear shit in the woods, not in New Hampshire? Well, thanks for that, Nathaniel. Please all consider signing up to my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Andrew Gold. 
patreon.com slash Andrew Gold. If you'd like to support the podcast, there are sometimes bonus episodes on there as well as ad-free full episodes. So no more ads. I know there's lots of ads and all that stuff. But if you are listening to the free version with ads, do consider taking up some of those offers. If you're sort of considering it, do go for it. That is another way of supporting the podcast. I think it gets back to them, you know, how you found it quite possibly. Thanks to my newest Patreon. He's in Cyprus, apparently. It's the lovely James Payton. It's been lovely chatting to you on Twitter and it's much appreciated and I wish you a lovely summer out there. Next up on Monday, I'm talking with the Dean of Yale University, Dr. Marvin Chun, about the science of mind reading. But you already knew that, didn't you? See you then. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.